0: As a church, I'm trying to shift gears of your pastor and, and stay up with what God is saying of me and what He's calling us to. But we are in a very serious season. It's good to have our friend Ted Rose with us this morning. As we go on in service, we're going to pray for Israel. We're going to pray for our nation. But we are putting prayer back in the forefront of what we do. Tonight, as we start again, our Sunday night uh, intercessory prayer, we took this little break, we've rearranged. Everything is different. We're going to have some teams leading that prayer. We're going to have praise and worship. We're going to have a time of corporate prayer, praying for our nation, praying for our government, praying for our leaders. We're going to have prayer together. We're going to have intercessory time. We're going to lay hands on one another. If God gives us a legitimate word, not an emotional word, but a legitimate word, we'll deliver that word to people. Are you with me? But see, something happened. Many times we've been praying, and we've been saying, God, how come you aren't responding? When God answers our prayer, it is a response to your request. Prayer is a request of God. Make your request known to the Lord. Make your request known to the Lord. But I believe this. I believe God has asked us first. He has made a request of us. And I believe when we respond to His request first, that he then moves to respond to ours. God says, worship me and worship me only. His one request is to put him first place in our life. And the moment, the, the more I move and, and I strive to, to respond to His request, it doesn't mean that I get it right. God is not a totalitarian God where He's lording over. It doesn't mean I have to get it exactly right and get it exactly perfect before He does. But I do have to have a perfect heart. Not a compromise I said, God, I, I'm, where I'm convincing myself that I'm doing alright. Oh, we're doing okay. But it's that area where I'm pressed at God. And and, and there's a spirit of humility and a brokenness before me. Let me just tell you, brokenness is okay, church. Brokenness is okay. He has shown me, oh man, what is required of you. How to do justice, how to love mercy, and how to walk humbly with your God. It's important that we walk humbly. God, I'm I'm not getting it right, but God, I acknowledge that. I want to be right before. Stay broken before God. Stay humble before God. And keep saying, God, I want to get this right. I want you first. I want you foremost in my life as much as possible. And I believe the more we respond to His request of us, the greater is, is His attention towards our requests of Him. Amen. I just, and I believe Scripture can bear me out. Hopefully they've, they've handed out an outline to you this morning. And I just have a few thoughts to share with you. You have a Bible. Open up to Mark chapter 15. And as we've been moving into this and pressing in prayer, last week when we gave you, some of you still need to do that. When I shared the little story from history that comes out of Hebrew culture of Honai, the circle maker, and how he was just somebody, and, and it's not scriptural, there, there's nothing in the record. The, the record of, of Honi is not canonized in scripture, but, but it comes out of, out of the Maccabees, I believe, is what Adrian was helping me do the research on. And, and, and where it was just a man who was known in his community as a man of prayer. A man that when he talked to God, God heard what he said. But he was a man of conviction and commitment. And so when somebody asked him to pray, that the whole season was that there was rain, there was famine, there was a dryness in the land, there was a drought, it was a destitute time, and people were desperate enough to begin to call upon the name of the Lord again. I mean, no, the church has gone through seasons where we were convinced in our own strength and not desperate for the power of God. We, we, we looked at our strength, we looked at our, our, our numbers, we look at our finances, we look at everything else, our numbers in people, our numbers in the bank account, and we begin to make plans based upon what we could do, instead of saying, God, what do you desire from us? Let me just say this to you, no matter what you have in your hand, God asks you to do more than what you have in your hand. But Honai was just that man that that when he was asked to, he just came out in the time and he drew that circle on the ground and he stood there and he requested rain from God. And he said, God, I'm not moving from this circle till you answer my request. And then as it began to rain just a little bit, he wasn't satisfied with something that looked like his answer. He wasn't satisfied with something that was close enough. And he says, God, this is not the rain that I have prayed for, but I have prayed for rain that will fill cistern, that will fill ca- cavern, that, that that will fill rivers and gullies. I've prayed for a flood of rain upon this land. And the flood began to rain, and the, and the story is, is that there was no raindrop smaller than an egg that was falling at that time. And the people began to run for cover. And then as they were in the cover, and as it rained for quite a season, he said, God, God, this is not the rain that I have prayed for, but I'm praying for the rain of Your refreshing. And the rain shifted and it began to become that refreshing, cooling, soothing rain. And it was the rain of God's grace and His mercy upon the land. But he said, God, I'm not moving from this place. And there has to be in you and I a determination that says, I will not be moved. There was an old chorus we used to sing, I will not be, I will not be moved. Just like a tree that's planted by the waters, I will not be moved. Somebody say, amen. amen. That has to be in us. We have to, again, be a people that will press into that play. Look at the cover of your outline. Your stick might need to be propped up. Amen. I started thinking as we were. Driving, we had the privilege of taking little Sabrina uh, down to uh, the Dream Center. Pastor Sue and I drove her down, and Sean and Dane and everybody worked hard to get her enrolled down there and accepted just on short notice, so she's now enrolled in the movement down there. Yesterday, she was out on the street doing Adopt the Block and, and helping and, and going into the, the, the uh, repressed areas there in the inner city, and she's just having an adventure. It's awesome. Amen. But we had that honor of driving down. But as we're driving, I'm just talking to myself in the car with the Lord and, and, and we have music playing thing. and thinking. I'm just asking God, God, where are we going? What's going on? And then yesterday, coming back, so going down and God put a couple of things in my heart I'm going to share with you briefly. Then we'll go back into worship and prayer. i may going to have Brother Ted come and pray for us. But as we're going, God just put a, a thought in my heart and you're, you've turned there to Mark uh, 15. I'll be there in just a moment. But then as we're driving back, Yesterday, I had this great idea. She would be nice to drive up Highway 1. It'd be awesome. We'd just drive up the coast all the way up. Never really driven all the way from Los Angeles up to Monterey and that's why I thought that would be awesome. So we left San Francisco, I mean Los Angeles, Friday afternoon in rush hour traffic and enjoyed the calm, soothing, slow, and almost steady drive. Uh, made our way out of Los Angeles over towards Malibu and then up the coast there and uh, got to San Luis Obispo uh, Friday night and spent the night there and then got up, thought, oh, this would be a nice, soothing drive. So we get on Highway 1. and We went and looked at a few places, but when we get on Highway 1, we get up by San Simeon where Hearst Castle is and uh, they, they have all these uh, uh, just highway patrolmen started showing up everywhere. It was like, boom. And I thought, this is weird. And all of a sudden, I see a few uh, bicyclists coming down the opposite side of the road, and they're heading south, as we're heading north. And the next thing you know, there's like 12,000 people riding bikes on Highway 1, and that's, you know, adding to the joy of driving on that little two-lane road on the ocean coast there and stuff. But, and so from Lucia all the way down, and I began to think about this, and something about motivation began to speak to me. And, 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 and if you watch that, something happened where those people were motivated to do that. I don't understand it at all. I was motivated to drive it. They were motivated to ride a section of it. And so I looked this up this morning, and I put this together. Motivation. Giving of reason to act. Giving of reason to act. The act of giving somebody a reason or the incentive to do something. It's connected to enthusiasm, a feeling of enthusiasm, interest, or commitment that makes somebody want to do something or something that causes such a feeling, which is the reason then, is a reason for doing something or behaving in a certain way. And then there are forces that are determining behavior, and the psychology behind that is the biological, emotional, cognitive, or social forces that activate and direct behavior. I thought, that's very interesting. And, and, and see, on Tuesday, we're going to mark 11 years since a group of motivated men hijacked three planes and flew them into two ta- the two towers of the World Trade Center and the Pentagon, killing over 3,000 innocent people in the process. But how many know there was a motivation behind the action? There was a motivation to plan, to strategize, to, to 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 walk through the whole thing, and then to walk through. And, and And I like what I heard Pastor Larry Stockstill when he was talking. Not him, but but uh, Pastor Dag Mills from Ghana in a sermon I was listening to. Him, he said it was interesting. They have surveillance cameras of these men who were the hijackers going into different stores in in, in New York City. There and stuff. And as they're walking around, they're just looking. They have no interest in enemy. It's like there is no connection with this world and them. Wouldn't it be nice if the church got a hold of that for a God reason? Not for a devil reason, but, but, but if we could learn how to disengage and not be enticed by everything that the world has. But they were motivated to do this. All because they were motivated by a cause and believed that their actions were affecting a cure. Do you know that, that, that the, the, the radical Islamic culture believes that they're affecting a cure when, when they bomb, when they kill? That they're removing infidels, that they are purifying their world. And it's a foreign thought to you and I. Our mind doesn't understand that. We don't understand that Eastern culture. But they've been motivated to do this. And they're committed to that. And they are given to them. And so there had been a given reason and the enthusiasm. There were determining forces that activated and directed their behavior. Their actions created a response that is still active today, we are still responding to 9-11 today, But, but just something motivated these men to perpetrate such an act that generated a worldwide response, and it's still in action today. Think about this, every day there are people involved in causes to help, to find a cure, The motivation is as varied as the causes. Yet they are acting, they're giving, they're sacrifices, they're running, they're riding, they're serving, and possibly dying for the sake of a cause. Like I said, riding the one. Highway one from Lucia down. We're looking at that up and down those hills. There was a few downhill stretches, but it seemed like more uphill stretches. None of that was motivating to me. Are you with me? And doing that and going through that, Pastor and I were like, we just don't get it. Amen. But they, the, all these people were signed up for whatever the cause was. They were, they were riding for a cause. Something was... Ca- we, we have run for the cure. We have walk We have marathons. We, we have all kinds of different things. We have a race for the... Yesterday, we, we had the Casey ride for the little girl, in memory of the little girl, and to fight the, the disease, to the raise funds to help support, find a cure... Those are great things. Are you with me this morning? Look what I say. I salute and I applaud every cause and every effort to help and effect a cure for the devastating plagues and diseases that are in our society today. The desire to fight and to stand up against the wrongs and to stem the tides of injustice, poverty and despair in the world. And to save everything from whales to weeds. We're on the coast. Save the whale. You come to El Dorado County, we are Save the Weed. We are a county with endangered weeds. I guess that's a good cause. Yet I cannot help but to view them as pale in comparison to the action that was taken on my behalf to eradicate the devastating effects of sin in my life. Are you with me this morning? The reason we are here, you have been motivated to respond to an action that was taken on your behalf. Something that happened 2,000 years ago on a hill called Calvary set something into motion, and its effect is still engaged today. And people are responding to it today. Go with me to, you're there in Mark chapter 15. Look with me, if you would, at verse 33. Actually, if you scoot, yeah, when the sixth hour had come, there was a darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour. At the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, saying, "Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani," which is translated, "My God, My God, why have you forsaken me?" Jesus on the cross, crying out to his Father, "Why have you forsaken me?" And some of those who stood by, when they heard it, Heard that said, look, He is calling for Elijah. Look back at your outline with me. Over 2,000 years ago, your sin and mine was the motivating force and cause. And the reason behind another action that took place. The death of our Savior to pay the price for our sin. He's the only one who was ever motivated to act on my behalf and your behalf in such a way so that we could be free from the pain and the price of our sin. Do you agree with me this morning yes. He acted that way and as I was driving down on Thursday, this scripture God brought to my mind of Jesus hanging on the cross and saying, "Why Father, why have you forsaken me?" And I begin to think, God, what do I do for you and, and how motivated am I in my service to you and my dedication to you and, and but, but he is willing he has willingly gone to the place where the, for the first time, in all of eternity past till that moment. God is the Alpha and the Omega. The beginning and the end. He is an eternal God. We are living in a parenthetical space called time. And God interrupted eternity to create this space. Like Pastor Mark Fielding says, he created a space called time and a race called men and a place called earth. And God is doing something dynamic in this time. But up until then, till the moment that Jesus became flesh and walked this earth, up until that very moment, he had never experienced separation from his Father. But His love and His motivation for you and for me to eradicate the effects of our sin was so deep and so compounded with love that He was willing to go to the place where He would literally be separated from His Father. How many would understand that this was more than a weekend event? It took more than just a little training and preparation. And it required more than just using my vacation time for a good cause. And it was way beyond just normal human sympathy and concern. The motivation, the enthusiasm, and the reason behind the forces for determining this behavior goes beyond our natural human comprehension. You and I cannot comprehend that kind of love. Are you with me this morning? To, to do that. You think, see, see, in that area, and many people say, Pastor, why do you get excited? Because God challenges me like this. And it reveals me, this is how much I love you. This is what I have given for you. And like Sean was saying, when I start thinking, I need this, I need that, I say, wait a minute, I'm saying that to the one who hung on a tree for me and said, my God, why have you forsaken me? He went there for me and for you. He had no reason to be there other than for you and for me. If it wasn't for you, if it wasn't for me. The people riding the highway yesterday, they didn't need the cure, but they were riding for the cure. But Jesus didn't need the cure. He was dying for the cure. This type of love and sacrifice and service was not understood then and is still not understood today. Go with me to these scriptures. I've asked them to put them up on the screens. John chapter 17, in case you didn't bring a real Bible today. Listen to me. I'm not saying this to be silly. I'm not saying this to challenge technology. I'm saying you, let's maybe just go back and walk in some old paths for a season. Let's maybe just go back where we bring a real Bible to church. Everybody brings their own Bible. If you do not have a Bible, we have a box of them in the back. I will give you a Bible before you leave here today. You need to open your own Bible. Turn your own pages. Find that promise. See that in your life. And then have a piece of paper and a notepad and expect that, God, when I come into your house, that the Lord of glory is going to speak something into my heart and into my spirit. He's going to help me on my path and on my journey and my walk in my service to Him. And write that down. Begin to once again journal the Word of the Lord in your life. Are you with me this morning? Maybe sometimes just to call back. How many want to see God do great and mighty things? The Bible said, Jesus said, ask, God said to this to Jeremiah, ask of me. Ask of me, and I will show you great and mighty things that you don't even know of. We all go, yeah, I want that. Well, some of it comes on how we approach. How many have ever been in a situation where somebody really wasn't paying attention to you? They can, and and they, they they were there they were there but they weren't there. I think God feels like that in church every week, everywhere I go. The people are there but they're not there. He doesn't have, he, He's trying to talk to them, but He doesn't have their undivided attention. We need those moments when we come into the... This is God's house. He's invited you. He's trying to make contact with you. He's trying to speak into your life. And if you will let Him, the eyes of the Spirit... My Bible says that the eyes of the Spirit run to and fro, looking to see on whose behalf. He can show himself strong. I believe God's eyes are walking again through his churches all across America. And he's trying to make eye contact with somebody who's looking into his eyes. I remember a few months ago when Winky Prattney was down preaching for, for Pastor Doug. And I'm sitting where Ray's sitting and Doug has a center aisle. And I'm sitting on the second seat and Pastor Doug and Janice are sitting there. And Winky and I were just connecting. And through his whole message he's like, at me and I'm thinking, man, there's a couple hundred people in here. Look at somebody else. <laughs> Dude. And, and he would talk a little bit, and then he'd come right back over here, and he's, and he's preaching, and I'm like, I'm eating this up. I'm, I'm, when in, the, in the pre-meeting with the pastors, I'm writing down everything the God said. I, I want to hear. I believe this is a man of God. I believe he has God's heart. And I believe if I'll make contact with the vessel and the voice of God that's in my life at that moment for what he wants to say to me, I can hear something from God. Yeah. And so Winky's talking to me, in after service, I go, brother, I enjoyed that. And he goes, hey, I feel like if it would have been just you and me, we'd have had great church anyway. I said, it was just you and me. <laughs> you didn't look at anybody else the whole service. But listen to me church, God is doing that. If God ever sees your heart looking up to Him, the Holy Ghost will lock eyes with you and God will speak into your heart and you won't just go away going, well, that was nice. Something will begin to explode on the inside of you and you'll know you've been in the presence of God. What did Jesus do for you? John 17, Look, I just want you to think just for a moment. Listen to what Jesus said as He's praying. Jesus spoke these words and lifted up His eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify Your Son so that Your Son may also glorify You. What if we prayed like that? That we would glorify Him in our lives. Verse 2, As you have given Him authority over all flesh, that, all should give, that, that He should give eternal life to as many as you have given Him. And this is eternal life. That they may know You, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Now watch this. I have glorified You on the earth. I have finished the work which You have given Me to do. And now, Father, I'm just telling you, Jesus just listed His motivation. What was His motivation for going there? To glorify the Father. That was the reason. And that was the enthusiasm behind why He was there and the psychology behind it all, if you would. And then look at verse 5. And now, O Father, glorify Me together with yourself, with the glory, which I had with you before the world was. Come on, we balk when God asks you to give 10% of your income to God. When God asks you to help and support causes. When God moves upon your heart to go and help the homeless one night a week on a Monday night. When God moves upon your heart to do something connected to adopt a block or serve in some way. We think, oh man, I'm really sacrificed. Jesus said this, Father, I gave up the glory that I had with you. Come on, I don't know about you, I have an extra. Expectation of spending eternity in the presence of God. Jesus was there and he left glory to come to earth to redeem you and me. Come on, it kind of erases the excuses off the board. Are you with me this morning? Glorify me. Second Corinthians chapter 8. Watch this. Is this all right this morning? I guess I should have asked before I started. Can I tell you as a pastor, I hate church for church sake. If all we have is church, and just come in and do something in a building, that's, that's not what we're here for. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, and look at verses 8 and 9. Watch this. I speak not by commandment, but I'm testing the sincerity of your love by the diligence of others. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though He was rich... Yet for your sakes, for my sakes, for the sake of the world, he became poor. That you and I, through his poverty, might be made rich. Woo! Jesus, he left glory. He gave up everything that was his and became poor for you and I. Philippians 2, turn there if you wouldn't with me. Verse 5. If your phone's your Bible and it's turned off, you'll have to look at the screen. Philippians 2 and verse 5 says this, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of what? No reputation. How I many know that's not popular today? We all want to be somebody. Somebody. We all want to have a name, we all want to have promise, we all want a title, we all want a position. Hey, what if you decided to be of no reputation? What if you decided when everybody else thought they were too good for the task, you knelt down and did the task? That's what Jesus did the night he was betrayed. He rose up from dinner and he stripped himself of his robe. And he wrapped the robe of a servant around him. And he got the water and he did what everybody else was too good to do. He washed the feet of his disciples. What if we, I'm just telling you, I believe these are the keys. I hear a lot of preaching on the keys of revival. I believe this is the, if our church can hear this we can position ourselves for a great revival and a move of God. How many know broken people don't want to come to church and see people with position? They want to come to a place where somebody will step out of character, step out of their form, strip themselves of their dignity, and get down and wash the dust and the dirt and the grime of this world off of them and qualify them to sit at the Master's table. It says he humbled himself and being found in appearance as a man, became obedient. Not to the point of service, but to the point of death. Even what? The death of the cross. On Tuesday night, we're going to go through that as we're going through the journey program. Teaching you what it means to come to the cross and then to go through the cross. If you're here today and you've never been through this, I, I admonish you, be here Tuesday night. Don't think, just, just change everything else. Come on, we rearrange our schedule for everything. Something dynamic will happen when God's request of you to be first in your life, you respond to that. And you say, God, I'll rearrange everything. And I'll tell you, I, 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 I like to do that, but most of what God asks us to do, we do unless something better comes up. It's okay, the amen goes right there whether you want to say it or not. Hallelujah! Good preaching! Hey, I'm as guilty as you are. Are you with me this morning? Go with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Say, Pastor, what are you after today? More? Amen. More? Not more for me. I want more of God in our church. I want more of God in our community. I want people. Well, I want people to hear that God is in this place. That there are a humble people. That there are a, a people who know Him. A people who are motivated by what God did for their lives. 2 Corinthians chapter five. Watch this. Watch this. We've read it together. You know what it says. But I want you to see it one more time. Look at verse twenty-one. For He made Him who knew no sin to be sin for us how many of you know somebody that 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 has had or does have a disease that medical science has no answer for and and and, and they're trying to help but they don't have an answer that, and come on we, we have raced for the cure whether it's for heart disease whether it's for cancer whether it's for, whether it's for um 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 alzheimer's whether it's for parkinson doesn't matter what it is we we're, we're trying for AIDS, for HIV. We're trying to find the cure, but we don't have the answer. So in our natural, we're doing the best. And if it's somebody you love, if it's somebody you're given to, maybe something deep down inside you said, "I I wish I could take that from you. I wish, I wish God, and maybe it's somebody that, that you look at and you say, Oh, I feel like I'm just stronger than they are. And, and, and I wish God would grace me. I, I would carry that for you if I could. I would bear that for you. I wish I could take that from you and God would allow me to have that. And you could go free. Jesus looked at His creation in you and I. And He says, hey, I can do this. I can take the curse of sin off of your life. I don't know sin. I'm not sick with sin. I'm not infected by sin. But this is what I choose to do on your behalf. I choose to take what is plaguing your life. I choose to take what is destroying you and consuming you and eating you alive. And I choose to become that for you so you can go free, fully redeemed, fully healed, fully restored. He who knew no sin became sin for us. And what did he give us? His righteousness. We can come into the presence of God, fully righteous before God. Go with me to Romans chapter 5. Still with me this morning? Romans chapter 5. Watch this. Verse 6. From when we were still without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. Do you know what? I was forgiven before I ever acknowledged Him. You and I were forgiven before we ever acknowledged God's love towards us. Before we, we, maybe we ever heard the Gospel. Before you ever knew that He chose to be separated from God. And say, God, why have You forsaken me? Before we heard anything of the cross, He bore it for us took it from us. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet perhaps even for a good man someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrates His own love towards us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than having now been justified by His blood, we shall be saved from wrath through Him. For when we were enemies, We were reconciled to God through the death of His Son much more. Having been reconciled, we shall be saved by His life. How many know that's grace personified right there? Praise the Lord. And we read Mark chapter 15 where Jesus says, Forsake me. I want you to go one last scripture, Isaiah 53 if you would please. As the worship team comes back. I believe, I sense, sister. I, sister Helen Willie called Friday morning as we were getting up, and, and uh, called Pastor Sue to let her know she was going down to be with a family member in Manteca. Would be gone for a week, and that wouldn't be at prayer this Wednesday. And uh, but was sharing with me that just a few weeks ago, three or four weeks ago, when, when, when we initiated this change for our church. It is. It's just her her nephew. uh, Her nephew is a pastor in Manteca. Huh? Her nephew's pastor got up at his church in Manteca on the same Sunday that I called you to prayer here, and we declared we were going to put God first. He got up in his church. And repented before his church, said, Church, we have not been a church of prayer, and I have not been a pastor of prayer, and I'm calling you back, and I'm heading to the altar, and I'm asking you to come with me. I'm telling you that God is moving in our nation. On the same day God was speaking to us, He was stirring a pastor's heart in Manteca, and God trying to, and, and if you could hear the story, that's not the only coincidence, that's not the only place that it is happening. I'm telling you that God is trying to raise it. God, is by His Spirit, is trying to once again motivate His people. And I'm just telling you, yesterday as I'm driving along, I'm seeing these people who are motivated to take a whole day in eighty-plus degree weather on the coast and in a headwind that was crazy. It was blowing like thirty miles an hour nonstop in this headwind, and these people are riding these bikes. They're enduring this for a cause. And I'm thinking, I have a cause. I have a cause. Not just to ride for one day on a weekend. I have a cause to live for, for the rest of my life. No matter what it costs. Amen? Isaiah 53, watch this. Watch this. I know we've all heard it, but what? Who has believed our report? That's kind of how I feel this morning. Anybody believe me here today? To whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he shall grow up before him a tender plant and a root out of dry ground. He has no form or comeliness. And when we see him, there's no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows acquainted with grief. And yet we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we did not esteem him. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, and yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. He was wounded for our transgression. He was bruised for our iniquities, and the chastisement of our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. Hallelujah! And then Matthew 8.17, Jesus sitting in the house, and they're bringing people to Him. And He's healing all those who come. And it's Isaiah is quoted about Him. He bore our sicknesses and carried our grief. Took it. Reaching out into the masses that were coming to Him. Reaching out into their life. Taking it from them and carrying it upon Himself. Receiving it to Himself. Not just the transgressions of our life. Not not, not just our acts of commission where we know we're, we're blatantly committing sin. But even our acts of omission where we're just choosing not to do certain things. And by not doing... We're omitting ourselves from obedience. He, yes, he took all that, but beyond that, he took the consequence the sickness and disease, the pain and the grief and the death, and he took that upon himself. For you and for me. He bore that. Wow. Why would he do this for you and me? What did he have to gain? What was in it for him? He chose us as his inheritance. Read in Ephesians that, that, that we might know that, that we are his inheritance in the saints. What is the riches? Listen, Ephesians said, Paul writes that, that we might understand what is the riches of his inheritance in us, the saints. But he's made us a full portion heir of his inheritance. So, my motivation for life, for service, for sacrifice, for giving, serving, and laying down all that I have on the line for Him comes from this all too clear reality that I've tried to share with you today. There's a song that says this It was my cross, it was my shame, and it was my sin, it was my weakness. It was my sickness and it was my distance. But it was your love, your grace, and it was your blood. It was your stripes and it was your strength and it was salvation when you rose from the grave. Now it's my victory. It's my life redeemed. It's my Jesus and He's living inside of me. It's my hope and peace. My pre-ushered healing. His grace now abounds to me. And that's the reason why I am free. Come on, you and I are free today. It's a reason why we're free. The chorus just goes, Jesus, Jesus, how I trust you. How I've proved you over and over. Jesus, Jesus, precious Jesus. Oh, for grace. To know you more. Just in the next few moments. I'm asked Brother Ted to come join me. Just in the next few moments. I'm declaring to you today. That we're called to run a race for the cure. We are called to run a race. For the cure. We are called. To run a race. For the cure. We are called to run a race for the cure. Jesus is asking us. He's I believe our church is being called. I'm, I'm not accountable for anybody else. When I drive from my house, how and I live in Cameron Park, 14 miles away. When I drive daily and on the weekend, I drive by lots of churches. I'm not accountable for any of them. I'm accountable for this house. And I believe God is speaking a word to this house. I, I believe He's calling us to be those who will enlist to run in His race for the cure. To take this hope, this message to our county. In, in, in whatever form or fashion it might be. It doesn't matter. You, you know, there, there's people that sign up when they run those marathons. If I signed up for a marathon, it would be like, you know, I'll, I'll be the pilot card. Yeah, and you know, i will be the refresher station. To, but but how many know that's as important? The person at the station handing out the water is important is pretty important to the person running the race. So, so there's a place to be somewhere in the cause. There's a place for you to be. You don't have to be the runner of the marathon. You can be the one who went before and set up the course. You can be the one that cleans up, you can be the person when it's all over, cleans up the mess. Because the people, when they drink the water, they don't have time to put it in. Okay, you don't take trash here this year. They just like throw it. Amen? Somebody has to come along clean up. But either way, I believe that God has a race for us to run. Paul said it like this. I fought the fight. I finished the race. And there's a crown laid up for me in glory. I believe that God is calling us as a church to a higher place than where we've been. God's asking to do so. I believe this with all my heart. We're not starting prayer tonight again just to do something on Sunday night. Almost everybody in this room already has stuff you're doing on Sunday night. We're starting prayer because I believe in prayer. And I believe that prayer works. And I believe that when we as God's people come together and pray there's greater power than we buy into the deception that it's the same as praying at home alone. It's not the same. God has ordained solemn assemblies. That's right, in a corporate anointing. In Acts chapter 4, they came together. They had heard the threats and they came together. And when they prayed, God shook that place. On the day of Pentecost, they were all there's something powerful that God does when his people assemble and call upon his name. And I believe we're going to see a season of God radically breaking through. The only question is, is this? Is this if Jesus could hang on the cross? separated from God can you find the faith to be separated from what you normally do on a Sunday night to come to his house in prayer everyone you have a routine already I, I don't know what you I've never been to most of your homes I don't know what you do on Sunday nights in your home but you do something and probably something regularly almost every week some routine to it it's is what I do I'm getting ready for tomorrow my week this is my night this is what I do whatever good good, good. I wonder what would happen I say God I'm going to put that on an altar and I'm going to come to your house with the rest of your people and I'm going to believe that when we assemble something's going to happen I've asked some of our leaders to join me in not not just in, in hooking up with the program. I'm not asking for a program. Hope you can hear me. I'm going to ask you to pray as a program. I'm asking you to pray so you can believe in prayer. The church doesn't pray because we don't believe prayer works. If we believe prayer works... And if we believed in the promise of that corporate anointing, we would not forsake the assembling of ourselves together for prayer. If we put out on our billboard whoever the hottest artist is today, if I put out on our billboard Jesus Culture Worship this Sunday, Solid Rock Face Center, how I many know we'd turn, you, you wouldn't be able to get everybody in here. People would come to hear people sing about God. But if we put out their prayer 6 p.m. Would you get the same crowd? We could even charge 25 bucks a head to get in the door to hear it. And people would pay up. Somebody could buy tickets in advance and scalp them for $75 at the street. People would pay 75 bucks to get in to hear a band sing about God. How you like me now? I'm just saying God is asking you. And I believe that if we ever found the faith to start drawing circles in the sands of our life, say, God, I'm going to pray until I get an answer. I'm going to believe you. If we ever got back to where we realized the price, I don't know about you. I, I start thinking about it. When temptation comes into my life. Things challenge me. Driving down the freeway Thursday afternoon. Why have you forsaken me? I was listening to some worship songs that are speaking. That were singing about the sacrifice of Christ on my behalf. What I was listening to. Jesus died. Your sin. My sin. He took that upon him. And when that doesn't humble me and draw me to repentance before God then I look at that like no big deal I'm doing alright this morning but when God can begin to break through that scale upon my heart and I find myself back humbled and amazed by such great love amazing grace God begin to break through and do great things amen would you stand your feet with me this morning I know today's gone longer. I just feel like God's really doing something here this morning. Pulling our church to a whole new place. And I'm asked Pastor Ted just to pray over us this morning. and Pray over you. And while he's praying, we're not hyping up into anything. If there's something that you need to move to this altar about in your life, whatever it is. Something that God is speaking to you, pulling on you about. The motivations in your life, whatever it might be. I believe God's spoken to a lot of our hearts. But if God's pulling you in this area, and as He begins to pray over us as a congregation, for our nation, for our leaders, as He leads us in this prayer, then I want you to move towards God. He's going to pray, and then we're going to worship the Lord just for a moment, and then we're going to close. Pastor, may
1: I say one brief word? Yeah. If you just close your eyes, everybody. With me. I've been in church all my life. I've actually been in thousands of services and thousands of churches, Pastor. Because I'm old. Me too. And I'm telling you, if ever I was in the holies of holies in the house of god in my whole life i've been in it this morning what you witnessed today look at your pastor for a minute what you witnessed today was a man on holy ghost fire i'm telling you the 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 fire from the altar of god is burning right now inside of this brother and you didn't hear from pastor, you heard from the Lord this morning, I'm telling you. If you ever heard from God in all of your life, you heard a message today from the Holy Spirit, right from the altar of God. This is the heart of God which is calling out of you. He doesn't have an audible voice. He has to find one. Do you understand that? And he spoke today through your pastor. And when I walked into this place, all I could hear this scripture over and over and over, in the last days, I will pour out my spirit. In the last days, I will pour out my I just kept hearing that over and over, Pastor. And then I saw heaven, and I saw this picture of the presence of God being tilted and being put to the point where it's almost ready to come out of the picture of God's hand. And it's right over the top of this place. And the pitcher of God is ready to pour. It's it's on the tipping scale. He wants it. He wants it more than you do. He wants to know how bad you want it. He says, "Ask of me," as Pastor shared, "and I will show you great and mighty things which thou knowest not of." He also says to to the house today ask of me and I will give you the nations yeah. as your inheritance, yeah. the yeah. uttermost parts for your possession. It's ready, folks. When, when you were singing earlier, Pastor, in the middle of that song, there was, I don't know if you all noticed, in the middle of worship, there was a crescendo yeah. where it reached a high point, And it was, it was a high part of praise right in the middle of it. You, do you all, did you all catch that? Okay, what that was, and right in the middle of that, the Lord spoke to me and said, I am preparing this church to be prepared for what is to come. Pastor's not joking. We're getting ready to face something that none of us have ever expected. And But what's happening is he's finding churches that are stopped playing church and are going to go after god with everything and they're willing to do whatever it takes he's they're going to listen to god god's going to speak to the man of god and then they're going to obey no matter whether it's popular or not and they're going to go into the deeper place of the lord and you're going to be prepared because you're going to be strengthened and no matter what comes against you no matter what comes against our country we're going to stand and the whole world is going to see the power of god at Solid Rock Faith Center. I'm telling you. Now this is not a game, this is not a, this is not a phony thing to share, but last Sunday over in San Francisco at one of the largest, largest churches in, in downtown San Francisco, the pastor was stabbed twice in the middle of the message. Stabbed twice, went to the hospital, didn't know if he would make it, but guess what, he's preaching this morning in his pulpit. 9-11 was only the beginning.
0: Yeah.
1: I'm telling you, as a brother, get ready. It's time to live for Jesus. Yeah, and amen. stop playing around and pursuing the American dream. It's time to pursue the dreams of the Lord. Yeah. Raise your hands, and I'm going to pray for a release of the mantle of prayer upon this house. May I hold your hand, Pastor? Yes. Dear Heavenly Father. Yeah. It's so wonderful to be in your mighty, wonderful, incredible, amazing presence. Lord, we're not here for religion. We're not here for form of godliness. We want your power. We want the reality of who you are. The power of Jesus Christ. The power of the Holy Ghost. Not just in word only, but in demonstration father right now we completely give ourselves to you lord pastor has said today this is a house of prayer for all nations you declared it was a house of prayer for all nations and you said you would fill it with your glory you'd fill it with your presence lord you would burn within your people you said in the last days i will pour out my spirit upon all flesh we ask right now, for the fulfillment of that yes, prophecy Father, to come yeah. today, yeah. right now.
0: Yeah. Hallelujah.
1: We declare more, <laughs> more, say it, more. more. We want more of you. More. More. You said, blessed are they that thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Yeah. We ask not only for the power of God, <laughs> but we ask for the holiness of the Lord purity of the Lord. Burn it out of us Lord, we humble ourselves. None of us are better than the other. We all need your grace, your blood, your mercy every day. Lord, we pray that you would catch fire in all of us. That you would take the mantle of fire that that is burning within pastor and that you would connect us to it and we would all burn for you. In the name of Jesus. No more lack a equal lifestyle no more coldness no more lukewarmness but we go and jump into the fire it's not my word like as a fire saith the lord and like a hammer that breaketh the rock into pieces